boy, we have a lot of kids and a lot of adults going with them. See you later. Take care of them. We love them. <laughs> I'll never forget when Lisa and I first were learning to serve regularly in the, in the, in the church, we were uh, working in the children's ministries in uh, and I think they were probably three and four year old, uh, three and four year olds. And there was a little boy who wasn't sick, but he had a, a, a medical condition. And I'm not kidding you. I would always be with these little three and four year old kids, and this little boy would throw up every Sunday on schedule. Now that's not what our ministry is like. If you're thinking of volunteering, our kids never throw up. But but it was okay because for some reason somebody else took care of it. Thank you, honey. Yeah. Thanks for doing that, honey. <laughs> so today's the, uh, the 10th, and you know me, I like to make a quick pass through Proverbs. So chapter 10, I, I picked verse 24 today. What the wicked dreads will overtake him, what the righteous desire will be granted. I'm going to grab onto that one. That's a good one. So there was this widow who was about to lose all of her sons to a debt collector, and she was pretty desperate for help. She... Uh, she, the last thing that she had, the last thing she owned was a jar of olive oil. A jar of olive oil, you, you know. And uh, Elisha the prophet told her, go get as many jars as you can get your hands on because God's going to do something that you would never imagine. Thanks for, um, for being here today. We're, we're in the third week um, of a series on the, Eli- uh, uh, on the prophet named Elisha. The first week we talked about burning plows and the second week we talked about digging ditches. Today we're going to talk about grabbing some jars and uh, see what that means. Next week we're going, to try, we're going to talk about getting our edge back. And we're going to look at an axe head that sunk and actually floated back up to the top. And, and by the power of God, we're going to see how Elisha um, got the edge back, so to speak. And I think for, some, for those of you who maybe, um, maybe you have lost a little bit of your spiritual edge over time. You know, there was a time when maybe you were a little bit closer to God. Maybe there was a time when there was a little bit, the, the flame burned a little bit brighter. I think next week's going to speak to you in a strong way. Today, I think the Holy Spirit is up to something because I, I, there's going to speak to people who feel overwhelmed. People that there's just too much going on. You're in need right now, and um, maybe you don't have enough, or, and you know you don't have enough time. You don't have you know you're, you're kind of low on faith. And I'm praying that this message today is going to build something of faith in your heart and minister to you in a, in a time that you need it. So recently I've had several conversations in the last week or so, week and a half, that reminded me of, you know, this has kind of brought this issue to my heart about how common this kind of overwhelming pain can be, you know, among the people around us. I mean, I had one family who... Um, things seem stable, but enough situation is going on for them. They're both at the same time facing a career change. And um, there's financial strain, and you can literally see it in their eyes. You know, this couple who love the Lord, and, and uh, so they're both facing a career change at the same time. And um, you could see it. There's just this financial pressure. I talked to another woman who, whose husband had this very serious injury at work, and it's the second time, and he it doesn't seem to be getting better, and it gets infected, and he, he's been into surgery a couple of times. And in the middle of while all that's going on, she discovers something, went to the doctor. The doctor says, that's cancer, and she's had to face surgery for cancer. This is all going on at once. And, and as I've talked and prayed with her, she said, you know, it just seems like it's storm after storm after storm. And uh, I talked um, just uh, Friday with... Um, 
with a, a guy who I haven't talked to for several years. He's a fellow that I've known personally for probably 15 years. And, and I heard this news that, um, that last weekend his 25-year-old daughter walked in and found his, this, this fellow's ex-wife had taken her life. And there just are no answers. It just comes thudding down like this, this weight that can't be explained and doesn't come off for a while, a long while sometimes. And I want to sidestep the sermon for just a moment. And, and, and since anytime I do this, and I, and I just share transparently with you stuff that I experience, you know, anytime that it comes on the topic of suicide, I just always want to take just a moment and say to every person who hears these words, it's not the answer. And there are people who love you and care about you, and you need to talk to someone. If that ever becomes entertaining, it's just not the answer. So I, just, I don't want to preach on that topic. But I, so, so, so if you find yourself today on empty, and you just feel like there's just too much weight in one area of your life or another, it's my prayer that God's going to use this story today to minister to you and um, in, in some way that helps change your life. So I'm going to dive in and let's see what the Lord will speak to us in this scripture. We're in 2 Kings chapter 4, and we're going to start in verse 1. And if you don't have your Bible, there it is on the wall. If you have your Bible, I encourage people to bring their Bible or your phone. Check me out and make sure I'm not making stuff up. I would never do that, but other people in the world do that. They will tell you things that the Bible says, and if you have not been in the Bible, you won't know whether you've been told the truth or not. So I encourage you to become students of the Word of God. 1 Kings 4, um, verses 1 and 2. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out, Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Well, there's a lot going on in these two verses. I think we're going to see some things here. A couple of things. First off, I want to notice that we don't know her name. We don't really know who she is. According to, to, Jew, to, to Jewish tradition, she was the, the wife of the prophet Obadiah. Now, you maybe have heard of Obadiah. It was, he was, um, you know, if, if she was the wife of Obadiah, it's, it's no, no surprise that they would have been in financial trouble because he was known for having protected a hundred prophets from Jezebel, this evil woman queen who was killing all of the prophets of God. So he took them under his wing, hid them, fed them. He probably spent every penny he had to protect. If, if this was the wife of Obadiah, they don't have any money. They've spent everything on, on the ministry to see what they could do. And so, um, so we picture this. We have, a, we have this widow who's probably in her early to mid-30s, okay? And um, she's lost her husband, and she has no meaningful chance for employment. Because in this culture, women were pretty much unemployable. There was one job that women could do that would make them money, and you didn't want to do that. Right? You know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, ask the guy next to you, because he knows these things, I suppose. But I don't know what that comment means. I'll probably be in trouble for it later. But, but there's, there, there's no way for her to go get a job. No way for her to, there's just no hope. And so she's in this really, really hard place. And now the creditor is coming. Her husband ran up a bill. And the law said that if you can't pay your debts, your creditor, the people you owe money to, can come and take your children and keep them as slaves until the year of Jubilee. That's, that could be a few years or it could be a long time off because it, it happened every, every so often. And so, so 
here's the situation where the guy's on his way to take her two sons. Now, this isn't like they're going to go work somewhere. These become slaves. They don't come home on Christmas Eve. Okay? They're not coming home. They don't get Christmas off. These are slaves. They're going to be taking care of somebody else's sheep that night. They're, it's goodbye. And they had nothing to do with running up the debt. And she's alone. I don't know how much worse it can get for this gal, but things are pretty, pretty, pretty tough. And so, humanly speaking, she's got no hope at all. She's lost her husband. She can't pay her bills. And now she's going to lose her sons. It's just not going to get any worse than this. And, and when I, I always try, when I, I read stories like this, I try to remember, you know, in life, when I face what I would consider to be life's smaller problems, okay? I mean, the smaller problems. I try to keep this in perspective. You know, I'm, you know, for example, when I get riled up over something that really isn't that big a deal, like, you know, I get riled up because my GPS took me to the wrong address, right? <laughs> okay. Settle down, Terry. It's not that big a deal. You, your kids are not sold into slavery. You can be, you're going to make it through this. That's, that's, that's an entry-level problem, right? Your GPS doesn't take you. Here's another one. You, know, you, you, you sit at the restaurant, and your salad comes, and it's got cucumbers on it. I specifically said no cucumbers. I, I don't want cucumbers on my salad, and now I'm kind of riled up. Lisa's going, yeah, he does not want cucumbers on his salad. And, you know, it's, that is a problem. But it's an entry-level problem, okay? I mean, you can get through the day. (laughs) You'll make it okay. Or let's say, you know, you're all discouraged and depressed because you just posted a picture of your precious little kitty cat. And you only got one like on Facebook. I I say, you know, you you, you start thinking, what did I do wrong? Should it have been a glamour shot of my cute little kitty cat? (laughs) Or, you know... Should have had more yarn showing? No, I mean, come on, that's an entry-level problem. The major problem is the cat, but not the kid. <laughs> okay, so anyway, I don't know why I'm off on cats again. I'm sure it was the spirit, could be, I don't know. But the truth is, kitty cats aside, some of you are dealing with problems that are not entry-level problems. They're real-world, difficult graduate-level problems. I mean, I talk to people about them. You know, maybe your marriage is barely hanging on and you don't know if you're going to make it. Or somebody you know and you love who's close to you has lied to you and betrayed you. And what you thought you once knew, what you thought you once had, you're looking at it going, how much of this is a shell and how much of this is substance? I don't, I'm having a hard time trusting here and I'm, you know, and you're watching somebody make decisions that you know are going to hurt them. Or maybe you're in a financial situation and you don't know how you're going to get out of it and you feel almost strangled by the stress of, of this Maybe some, uh, somebody else here, you've got a health issue. And without a miracle from God, you're going to now be facing some, the very thing you wished you would never have to face. You've got graduate-level problems. And if you're in significant need today, there's a key thought that we're going to see in the Word here, and I want to start with that key thought, and that's this. When you don't have what you really want, you'll discover that God is what you really need. I want to unpack the story and, and, and go through that. When you don't have what you really want, you'll discover God is what you really need. This woman is in significant need, and she reaches out to this prophet, this famous guy, this famous man of God, and it's interesting to see what he does and what he doesn't do. The first thing I want to notice is what he doesn't do. He doesn't say, 
He says, oh man, that's, that's too bad. It, it, it really stinks to be you. He doesn't say that. I've heard people say that before. Oh man, it's bad. And, and, and he doesn't, he doesn't, he also doesn't say this phrase, which I hear from time to time. Oh, that's, that's so bad. I'll be thinking about you. Thinking about me? What good going thinking about me? Oh, you're thinking about me. Thank you. That makes me better. No, that doesn't do me any good to have you think about me. It, it would do something that makes a difference. Pray for me. Do something of substance. Pray for me. Do something. And that's exactly what he does. He makes himself available to her. You'll see this in, starting in verse 2. Elisha replied to her, and then he says these five words. How can I help you? You want to make a difference in the world? You want to be filled with joy? You want to, you know, if you want to, if you want experience that, then you should start every day and say, God, I'm, I'm available to represent you. I'm, I'm here, Lord. I, I'm, I, I'm here. If you're going to send people into my pathway today, even if I can't solve, personally solve their tangible need, I'm available to be a vessel, Lord. I'm available if you want me to, to care about and care for somebody. And, and, and then when you're at the office and somebody says, hey, I, I got a migraine, or I've got this problem, or my husband is driving me crazy, or, you know, what you say to that person is, hey, how can I help you? And you make yourself available to them just like Christ made himself available to, to so many. And uh, so then Elisha does something that's kind of profound. I mean, it's kind of, it, I wouldn't have thought of this. He's, he says, while well, still being very careful about her dignity, he says, tell me, what do you have in your house? He doesn't say, hey, I'm here with the answers. I got this fixed. We'll get this resolved. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. He doesn't make something up like that. But he says, he respects her dignity. He says, let's start with what you have and let God meet your needs through what you have. And she replies, she says, your servant has nothing at all. Nothing there at all. It's interesting how I think when, when we're hurting or lacking, all we see, we tend to see, is what we don't have. You know, what we don't have. And we miss the blessings that we do. We get down, we get depressed, we're hurting, we're consumed with what we don't have. And we start thinking, I don't have enough money, I can never be happy. Or, you know, I don't have a husband, so life is not meaningful for me. Or I don't have what I, don't have what I want or what I need, so life is horrible. And I mean, I've, I've known ladies, not personally, but I've known some who would walk into a closet full of clothes, so many of them jammed in together, and then they run their hands down the clothes. They can't really see the outfits. You can see that there's an outfit there. And then they say this phrase, and you married men can help me out with this, I don't have a thing to wear. <laughs> I'm digging holes today that I'm, I shouldn't be. I mean, and I'm thinking, this is not, of course, my wife, but um, I'm thinking, what are you talking about? You have enough clothes to, to, to clothe on an entire African village in this closet. <laughs> and, and we get focused on what we don't have. We do. It's funny that when we're in need, that we focus on what we don't have. And that's exactly where this poor woman was. She had lost everything, and all she could see was the emptiness of her cupboards. And so I asked this question before, what do you do when you don't have much? And I really believe that God is going to speak to people today and tell you to stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. 
Stop waiting for what you want. Start working with what you have. Second Kings 4, 2. And she says this. You know, he says, what do you have in your house? And she says, your servant has nothing there at all. She said, except a small jar of olive oil. I don't have anything. Oh, yeah, I've got a little jar of olive oil in there, too. And you might think, okay, what's the deal with the, with the olive oil? What's that all about? Olive oil was incredibly valuable in this context. It was rare, and it had many, many different uses. It, it was used, you could use it for cooking. You could use it, you know, as a fuel for a lamp to burn. You could use it as a moisturizer, because, you know, you, there was no Bath and Body Works where you could go and get, you know, what you ladies go by. And... Um, you could, you could use it to keep leather pliable. You could use it on iron to keep iron from rusting. There was, you, know, you could use it as an offering to God because it was valuable. It was used for anointing people in religion. It had a lot of uses, so it was really valuable. But she didn't have a lot. She only had a little. And I'm really, really grateful that we serve a God who specializes in doing a lot with a little. You know, we serve a God who is absolutely capable of doing a lot with a little. You'll see that all through scriptures. It's all over in scriptures. There's, you know, here's a couple of examples. Jesus, Jesus in the New Testament, and he's speaking to thousands of people. We talked about this fairly recently, and, and it's gone all day long, and they're hungry, and they don't have any food, and there's one little boy who's got five loaves and two fishes, and somehow Jesus takes those, that really insignificant amount of food, and it's enough to feed everybody. Probably 20,000 people were at that, that picnic, and there's leftovers, 12 baskets full of leftovers. I mean, that's, that's one example. And in the hands of the Son of God, a little goes an incredibly long ways. It just goes a really long ways. And um, we serve that God, the God who can do a lot with a little. In the Old Testament, there was, there was a time when an entire army was afraid because of one big guy who was taunting them. You know the story, Goliath. And the Lord, you know, you know who does he use? He uses a little shepherd boy who who has a little bit of faith and a little stone. I mean, these little things he's using, it's amazing how, how far God, because when you, he stands up there, he, David comes out and he says, who are you to stand up against the armies of the living God? And that faith becomes bigger and the Lord just starts multiplying and God uses this little boy with a little bit of faith and uh, to thump him, but good, you know. Thump, thumped him. Thumped him good. <laughs> and the New Testament is really clear about this topic, um, if you have just a little bit of faith, that's all it takes. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Jesus, is, Jesus was talking about that. He said in Matthew 17, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, mountain, move from here, and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Another translation said, says, instead of nothing will be impossible, another translation says, you can do anything. You can do anything. And Elisha says to her, what do you have in your house? God, God asked Moses, what do you have in your hand? If you, if you look back to some of the, the, uh, the miracles, God says, what do you have in your hand? And he had that staff. What, he's saying to her, what's in your house? Interesting that God did not say to her, what do you want? Or what do you need? He said, what do you have? And you know, God asks those kinds of questions. It's not because he needs the information, Right? He needs the focus of the person to change to something different. What do you have? God is, God is gathering the information, not because he needs it, but because he wants her to begin to get her eyes on, the, on that fact. What do you have? Let's stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have. Because God has given you already everything you need to do everything that he wants you to do. 
And I really believe in this principle. I mean, I see it happen here. I see it happen because there's faith in this place. Here's a, here's a real recent fresh story of this happening. Um, the church is, you know, we're, we're growing a little bit, and so we've knocked out walls, we made room, and, and my, my leadership style isn't to, I don't want to um, think up all kinds of different ministries for Crossroads to do, and then find some people, and, and then I'll huff and puff a lot, and get you excited to go do something. I just don't want to lead that way. I, I mean, it's okay to be, um, it's, it's okay to have vision and enthusiasm. I'm all, all for that. But I, I've ministered, and I've led long enough that I, I'm really more interested in seeing what the Holy Spirit's maybe going to do um, in our hearts, and then I want to get behind those things. So um, that's way overly simplified. But um, one of those has to do with espresso carts, right? I don't drink espresso. My wife loves espresso. We stop and get one before we get to the church on Sunday mornings um, because it's one of life's little good things. She likes it. So, but we have a we have a small but enth- enthusiastic group of people in this church who are into espresso, and they feel like we should have espresso at church on Sunday morning okay, fine, um, if the Holy Spirit gets into this, I can get into it too. I'm not you know, crazy to go crazy about this. But So I've seen the Lord doing some things. And, it, because, and the reason I would support it, espresso is because, because it fosters relationship. It's in the category of food, barely, I suppose. And, and, um, and food is, I think food really helps relationship. And relationship is one of our core values here. Okay, so you see this, this chain link. So, um, so the church has... We have a, a good espresso machine, but we don't have a cart, or we don't have the, the, the place to make it all work. And um, I'm thinking, okay, people give offerings. I'm going to be careful here because I don't want to spend a lot of money on a very expensive coffee pot. Um, so there's got to be a nexus here between um, what we spend money on. And, and so I was researching, and I found this cart and it was at an auction. You know, the state of Washington, they get surplus stuff, and you could buy stuff, sometimes cheap. Well, there was this espresso cart, and it was really nice. I mean, really nice. It had everything we need. And I thought, oh, boy, this could be an opportunity. So I got the council together. and I said, hey, what do you guys think? I'm kind of amped up. Let's, let's, let's maybe fuel this ministry if we get the opportunity. And they said, yeah, okay, that sounds good to us. And there was a sense in the room that we wouldn't go above a certain number on bidding on this cart. And I felt like that was right because I don't want to spend an inappropriate amount of money to fuel any one ministry, especially something that's, you know, that I don't drink, espresso. I mean, no, I'm just kidding. So, so, um, so the auction day came, and this is like a week and a half ago, and um, I'm thinking, okay, we could save a lot of money if we get this thing cheap. And so I kind of got in the game, and I watched the auction go boom, 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 off it went. I thought, this is crazy. I wanted that machine because I want it to fuel ministry at the church. It'll help different ways, and um, but I'm not doing it. I didn't have a piece after a certain point. Point I didn't have a piece. This is a week and a half ago. So I, I, I've called a few people who were all excited about it. It didn't happen. Okay, it didn't happen. Thursday, Lisa and I were southbound on the freeway. My phone rings in the car, and it's it's a member of our church. Says, "Hey." do you guys want an espresso cart at the church? I said, yes. <laughs> he says, well, I know of a complete espresso cart. It's in, it's in good condition. Everything works. You can have it for free. <laughs> so, yeah, I heard some espresso. There, I know some of you are more excited than you're letting on right now. The point is, the point is that we have something, and we're believing for the Lord, and that's a silly example, espresso cart. 
If your marriage is in trouble and you're brokenhearted today, this is a stupid illustration to you. And I don't mean to be insensitive to you. But I want to say that even in the things, if something is important to you, it's important to the Lord. And there are people in this church who love you and they love each other and they want to have a relationship. And espresso is one of the things that they do. So, okay, someday we're going to have an espresso card here. Now, don't hound me about this because I don't know when the Lord will do this. But, 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 but the point was this. We have a little, but we weren't going we weren't going to by our own flesh overcome what 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 we have vision to do. We believe that we, we give that little thing to the Lord. Lord, I'm I'm just going to let this thing go. You're going to have to get into this auction or something because we're just not going to cross that line. It's it's I just don't feel your your presence in this. And within a week of putting that faith in the Lord, saying, Lord, this is up to you to do. He hands us one for free that's worth several thousand dollars, many thousands of dollars. That's just an example um, of I see things that I see, and I, I apologize if that's been insensitive to you. I don't mean for it to be. But I'm thankful that we serve a God that can do a lot with a little. I'm just grateful. And I'm grateful that he gave me what I needed, not what I wanted. Because I wanted that one that would have cost a couple thousand dollars, more than that. It ended up going for almost $5,000. I dropped out way earlier than that. And instead of giving me what I wanted, the Lord gave us what we needed, but he gave it to us for free. Praise God for that. And I don't know how this will speak to you, but some of you are going to look at you know, what you have and you're going to say, I wish that I had something else because if I did have something else, I could do something more significant. There could, I believe there could be a man here or men here who would be saying to themselves, I'm just not all that good of a provider. I don't make a big income for my family like I wish I did. And God would say to you, you are home with your children six nights a week. And that's important. Stop waiting for what you want. Start working with what you have. I mean, gentlemen, the most important thing in your life may not be what you do, but instead it might be who you raise. Did you catch that? And when you're a man of God, to your children, that's huge. I'm restraining myself because that, that is such a big deal. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. But I don't make enough money to attract a, a good wife or you know, t- to buy the kind of car that women want or to buy the kind of clothes that women want. Here's what I would say to you is you find a woman who loves the Lord Jesus and you lay your life down serving her and loving her, you're going to find the happiest woman in the universe. Blessed through and through. The second thought that we're going to learn from this, this story is we're going to offer to God what, he, what we have and trust him to give you what you need. Second, so, so we watch this come true and starting in verse 3. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. So the first week we burned plows. The second week we were digging ditches. This week we're collecting jars. Don't ask for just a few. That's a funny way to say it. Don't be stingy here. Get after this. Don't get a bunch. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each one is filled, put it to one side. Now what's going on here? If all you have, she's starting out with, is a little bit of oil, but if you trust God to pour out what you have and then put that jar aside, God's going to refill that jar and keep giving you what you need and, and you can keep on pouring. 
I, I was, when I was a, I probably a grade schooler, my, I remember one year for Christmas, my mom and dad gave me a magic kit for Christmas. And, um, <laughs> you know, little boy likes magic. And um, so there was this bottle in it that you could pour out the milk, but it didn't actually come out, but it looked like it was emptying out. But it would never empty. Somehow the milk, it was stupid, but it was cool. Anyway, so, you know, but this wasn't a magic trick. This was miraculous. And it was this outrageous request by God, pour out my little bit of olive oil. And yet she had the faith to offer what she had. And so God gave her what she needed. Um, And that's what happens in verse 5. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. As long as there was an empty jar... God would fill it. But when there were no more jars, the oil stops flowing. Verse 7, she went and told the man of God, and she said, now here's the good news, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what's left. She offered what little she had. God gave her everything she needed. As long as there is an empty jar, the oil kept flowing. And it was an outrageous request. You know, ask her to empty out that all she has and then trust God to provide what, what she really needed. Because that's how our God works. It is. When we show him our faith, he starts to show us his faithfulness. And it took a lot of faith for her because she didn't have much to begin with. And God says, go get a bunch of jars. Get a bunch of jars. He didn't, notice that he didn't say what color. He didn't say what size, what shape. There was only one requirement. The only requirement was that they be empty. Did you catch that? The only requirement. And it could have been any kind of jar. It could have been a milk jug, you know, Peanut butter jar, butter tub, cat food can, whatever. (laughs) It it could be any shape, color, or size. God only needs it to be empty. And I see analogies, and I think sometimes our own solutions to our problems can be clutter in the way of God stepping in and doing something. Sometimes the Lord wants us to pour out and empty. And so I, you know, I, I asked myself, how does this apply? Second Corinthians four gives, gives, makes this comment. It says in verse seven, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. We have this treasure in jars of clay. Well, now I don't know what that means, but do you know what that's referring to? I mean, uh, what that's referring to is, is our bodies. That's what we are. We're clay pots. We're, we're, you know, we're dirt jars. <laughs> yeah. And we have this treasure it's, the scripture says in jars of clay. At this time, you know, the Eastern kings would take all of their gold and their silver and they would store it in these, these open mouth jars. What's God looking for? What's the treasure? I think God is looking for empty jars for, for reasons because he wants to put his own treasure in there. You know, when we empty ourselves of things like self and pride and greed and our own agendas and and come to God totally empty and available. Then he fills us with this oil. Oil has always been a symbol in the word of God for the spirit of God. And when you realize that you outwardly don't, you don't have enough of what you wanted and it's God that you, that, that you truly needed and suddenly he fills you and he is enough. He is sufficient in every single way. When you're weak, he's strong. When you're hurting, he's your comfort. When you're lost, he's your guide. When you're 
hungry, he's the bread of life which nourishes you. When you're thirsty, he's the living water. When your life is unstable, he's a rock that doesn't move. When you realize, I don't have what I wanted, then you can discover that he is exactly what you need. So we stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have. We offer God what we have and trust him to give us what we need because when you don't have what you really want, our good God is what you really need. Let's pray. Father, pour your spirit out for us, Lord, today. Pray, Lord, that you would build our faith. We pray, Lord, that you would be different, that we would be different, Lord, in your very presence. And I want to just pray over people that are hurting today. I'm, I'm, my example sometimes, although I never refer to people specifically in a circumstance like this, they may have struck a little close to home for some. And If you're hurting, if you need the Lord to step into your circumstances and you're willing to offer before him an empty place in your heart, eyes are closed right now and I'm not going to single anybody out but if you would say to the Lord Lord I've got a circumstance and I really need you to visit it now put your hand up in the air and just say God yes here's, here's a heart that's available I know the hearts the hands are all over now you can put them down Lord you saw those you, you know the hearts here that need you and I ask God for you to sweep, sweep into those circumstances fill Lord places that are dry and dusty with life Let there be a vibrancy, Lord, that hasn't been there for a long time. We pray, God, that you would visit those circumstances. I want to pray for people whose physical condition needs a heal, needs a healing. I think of somebody who's not here this morning because he and his wife are in the hospital and gone overnight. And Lord, we hold that need before you and those needs, and we ask God for you to be their healer this day. Your word promises that by your stripes we've been made whole. God, would you heal in the name of Jesus? And where, where we have heard something or we're fearful of something that the doctor maybe will tell us, pray, Lord, that you would give us the peace that goes beyond our understanding. Push it past our intellect, God. And instead, let there be something in our soul that says, hey, we know that God is God and he's not taken by surprise here. So, Lord, would you, would you bring peace to those places? For people who, whose finances are absolutely upside down and it seems hopeless, Lord, I pray, God, for provision. What a great miracle. You literally poured money into jars for this woman. Thank you for that kind of miracle, matched up and following that kind of faith. So Lord, I pray, God, that today we, you would see plenty of hearts available for what your spirit wants to do.